All right, let's jump straight into the word today. I really believe that you are going to hear a word from the Lord for you in a time such as this. It is such an honor and privilege in a time like now, in a circumstance like this, to be able to bring the word of God. The word of God is not just text on a page. It is living. It, it, in fact, it is tied to the person of Christ. Some people say to me, you know, you don't understand, Pastor Josh, it's one thing to just have a book, but it's a whole nother story to have the person of Jesus. If only I had the person of Jesus in my circumstance, I could believe for a miracle. If only I had Jesus in person, I could believe for multiplication. I could, I could believe for healing. I could believe for victory. Well, the thing is, Jesus himself is declared the word. And so if you have the word, you have him. In your life today, if you have his scripture, if you have faith in his scripture, it is as good as having him present in person. So today I don't just bring you text, I don't just bring you opinions, I believe I bring you something as if it is as good as bringing him into your circumstance. We have Christ with us today. I believe today you are gonna hear a word that is going to allow you to receive faith for the future. We are sitting embarking on 2022. And so many people are looking ahead and it's almost as if uh, New Year's feels like I don't even wanna celebrate, I don't even wanna sing, I don't even wanna talk. I wanna to go to bed at nine o'clock that night and wake up in 2022 because Every year and recently we've thought next year is the year. And it appears as though it's the same of the same. It's right back into the old story of this COVID story. Well, the thing is, it's irrespective of what is going on in the world around us. Because God speaks into our future and he never speaks into our future a fear, a lack a suffering, although those things may exist on the earth, when God sees you and your future, he sees a plan and a purpose and a hope and a destiny. He sees a calling over your life. He sees your life bearing significance for heaven. He sees your life making a difference in the perspective of heaven. And going into 2022, and for some of us being in 2022, recognize this. You are not here to survive COVID. You are not here just to look to a government for a grant, to just look to another day like, well, as long as I can just be alive another day. No, you are here for a very specific purpose. You have been placed in a very specific place and there is a reason behind it. There is a calling on your life. There is a plan for your life and every single believer in Christ has a different unique calling, but the same ultimate purpose. You are given breath on this earth to be a part of the bride of Christ. And through the bride of Christ, your life becomes a witness to testify that God is alive and through that testimony, your life speaks and preaches to those around you to believe in your savior and join your cause. The growth and the furthering and the, the, the success of this church, the bride of Christ. You are here to build his house, to be a part of this construction. You know, Jesus is building nothing but his church. And in this construction, you become used by God as a witness. 
This is the time. This is the year. This is the setup for you to reach those around you with the gospel of Jesus Christ. This is not just about big ministries and big preachers. This is about the individual people hearing the word of God, applying the word of God by faith in Christ Jesus, through our faith, releasing the grace of God in our lives and being a witness to those around you. Now, being a witness is not just saying, hey, if you were to die today, would you go to heaven? Being a witness is that your life witnesses there is a God working in you. So in the darkest time, it is a setup for the light to shine brightest. Your little light in a dark room is the only light and is the light. I don't know about you, but have you ever had the power go out in a room? For some of us in South Africa, that tends to be a common experience. But if the room has zero emergency lights, someone can literally just take a tiny little light and everyone in the room sees it. You are spread out, placed in communities, placed in workplaces, placed in places that are dark so that by you walking in the light, you're a testimony. Now, don't use your mouth to preach the religion of vaccination. Don't use your mouth to speak of the king called Corona, the crown that is exhorting itself. I must be honest with you, people need to hear about Jesus, not about the virus. They don't need to hear all about what doctors are telling you as much as they're hearing what the king is telling you. Because when I speak to people and I hear about vaccinations and viruses, I leave the same way I came, discouraged and despaired. And look at the strife on the earth through this conversation, the vaccination word. And I'm not coming against or for, I'm telling you, please use your mouth for the purpose God gave it to you. And you're gonna see today that God has a weapon for you to conquer every single giant in your life and it is not something that seems obvious yet in scripture, it is going to bless you greatly. So I'm here on a mission and it's really not, not to offend anyone but to let you know that the devil makes you think that you're alive on this earth to, to just fulfill a purpose of surviving and, and kind of just getting by and just being someone who's, who's aware of everything that's going on in the world, yet when you tap into what God is saying and what God is doing, you truly become a light. You walk into an environment where people are talking about financial despair, uh, physical despair, hopelessness and helpless, and you start to speak the word of God over them. You start to speak the word of God into them. You start to speak his words of redemption and restoration, and all of a sudden, you have the room, not for the natural purposes of I heard this and I heard that and this is going on, but actually for a divine purpose. And so we need to recognize that's why God places you somewhere. That's why God puts you there. That there is fear ravaging the earth and our responsibility is to recognize this is our time as believers. This is your time to be used by him. This is your time to be alive. I truly believe this is our time to finance the kingdom through the testimony. Business owners, tap into the purpose that is greater than profit, that is building the kingdom of God. This is the time God is going to place opportunities in front of his church to demonstrate that there is a God who is alive and working. And so this time, we as preachers, as believers need to focus 
our perspective on what matters and give our tongue to what matters, right? You, and this is the title for today, you are born to defeat your giant. You are a giant killer. God chose you, and the devil chose you. I wanna show you something. We're gonna jump into one of the most significant stories, but I'm gonna come at it from a different angle today, and I truly believe it's gonna bless you. First Samuel chapter 17, we see David emerging into his calling, stepping into his purpose on a public stage. And we know that the setting is great. The nation of Israel is at war with an enemy, the enemy called the Philistines. And so in verse four, first, cha- uh, first Samuel chapter 17, verse four, it tells us, as they're both sitting on either side of the valley, the Philistines send forth their champion to fight against Israel. This champion goes out from the camp of the Philistines, and what is his name? Goliath of Gath, whose height was six cubits and a span. Bottom line, huge, (laughs) right, huge. Now, we must always look into the word to see the word. Uh, Every word carries weight in scripture. We must not just read it in English and just overlook certain things. Now, do you know what Philistine means in Hebrew? It literally means wallow in the dust. Wallow in the dust. It is to bring you low. It is to bring you down. It it is directly tied to the devil. In the Garden of Eden, when the snake comes with his accusations and his words, and he manages to convince Adam and Eve to go against the word of God, to doubt the character of God, and to partake of the tree, the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, what is the curse pronounced on the the devil, the snake? You will literally live in the dust on your stomach for the rest of your life. Directly translated, Philistine means eat dust. And the devil is spoken of the snake for the rest of your life. You shall literally eat dust, eat sand. Wow. So, so interestingly, Goliath's name actually means to unveil, reveal, expose. So you have literally this word coming forth that is declared, you will eat of the dust, and it's directly connected to what? To be exposed. So when they listened to the devil, they ate, and what happened? They recognized they were naked. In fact, there's the question, who told you you were naked? So it's the ministry of the devil to bring into your life a word. Bear in mind, he doesn't come with a pitchfork and horns and says, now I have something to tell you to bring you down and to make you feel naked. No. He comes through a word, a thought, what you listen to, who you speak to, right? Oh, I just heard, I just heard this, and that means I'm finished. I'll never carry on. We're facing another lockdown. My business won't survive. 
My life won't turn around. I'll never make it through. We're, we're facing another this, we're facing another that, a 15th variant, a 100th variable. Oh, here we go. And what happens? That word speaks us into a shaming, a weakening, a frailty, and we cower down into a position, almost a place of defeat. And it exposes, I can't do this. I'm not strong enough. I don't know enough. I can't handle isolation again. I don't know how our life, our business, our family will survive this. It's a connection. And you know what? The devil's never changed. It's the same strategy over and over. That's why we have to be so conscious that we are spending our time feeding on a higher word. Focusing on a higher word. I just have to tell you this. Please spend time in the Word. Listen to the Word. This church makes every sermon available for free on YouTube, on Facebook, on our app, so that you can listen to a higher Word rather than the Word of this land that you go on and you switch on the news and you hear lockdown, economic recession. You hear virus spreading. This is what's going in hospitals. That's what's going on here. It is a Word bringing. And you know what the thing is? Whenever you hear bad news, it's amazing. The devil is able to personify it and, and highlight how your weakness now ties into that story and how now that that's happening there, surely it will come into your home, surely it will come into your life, surely it will impact you. Yeah. Isn't that amazing? Yeah. You hear of a lockdown in another country and your immediate thought is here, it's coming here now. And, and, and when it comes here now, this is what's gonna happen to me. And you kind of run ahead of yourself looking at how all of this domino effect of the negative stuff is gonna bring destruction into your life. And what happens? You become down right? So look at this, Goliath, he comes wearing in verse 5 a bronze helmet on his head. Bronze in scripture is always the ministry of judgment. Bronze is always the metal of judgment, right? You'll find it in all the altars where judgment pours out. It is bronze. When the serpent was formed on the stick, it was to see the judgment of the serpent on the stick so that the nation of Israel under Moses could recognize sickness was placed on that. It was a picture of Christ on the cross and bronze is always used in altars of judgment. So the ministry of the devil is it speaks in such a way of a condemnation and a shaming over you and an exposing of you to make you wallow in the dust and be consumed with judgment. I can't do this. I don't know about you, but I wake up every day feeling like I can't do this. Like, how am I gonna raise my kids in this world? How am I gonna do anything of significance in this world? That is the ministry of the accuser of the brethren. That is, it's never changed. So, so I, I have to keep stressing this. Be aware of what you spend your time listening and focusing to. Be aware of what you're placing your hope and your conversation in, right? Because when we start to look through scripture, when you let that word in, it has an impact in your life. That is why literally when Jesus is on the scene, it's behold, the word of God. He who is the word. He, he literally brings a different word. That's why I preach the gospel from this pulpit because it is in it alone that there is power for you to be saved. In the revelation of who Jesus is, the word in the word, faith comes by hearing of this. 
And faith is, I pray today, faith is stirred in your heart that next year is a year God uses you like he's never used you before. It's the year he testifies through your life. It, it is, if the church thrives, the world will not be able to ignore it because nothing is thriving in this season. Nothing is growing, nothing is moving, nobody's buying anything. It is, it is for me, it's a declaration of us that, that we own church buildings next year, that we, we don't just rent and lease, but that we become owners and we be establishing generational ministries to say this is not just about me, this is about my children and my children's children. I mean, I'm tired of hearing this is, this is how it's gonna be forever. And we keep hearing how the enemy plans to impact us and, and then impact our children and our children's children. Well, can I tell you, there is the truth that that is going on, but there's a higher truth, what the church should be doing, right? And so this is where we get summoned into the picture. And it's so cool because we see Goliath has all this stuff. And what does he do? He literally comes in verse 10 and he says, I defy the armies of Israel this day. And look at the devil's strategy. Give me, verse 10, give me a man that we may fight together. When a giant shows up in your life, he doesn't come after the church, he singles you out. Isn't it interesting how under COVID it singles you out? Like the moment you hear of something in another nation, the devil comes and says, you know how that's gonna take you out? You know, you don't hear this is what's happening in another country. Oh, sure, pray for that country, you hear. It's coming after me. Whenever the devil's ministry comes, he picks you. He says, you, I've got a giant for you. You wake up every morning and he reminds you, this is your giant, this is your giant, this is your giant. Come on now, like none of us, when we hear someone else going through something, it doesn't impact us. This is not my giant. So the devil comes and he goes, yes, now this is your giant. All of us here today, I could say, name a giant. You probably have four or five in your life, right? This, 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 this. That I'm scared of. This is coming against me. That's against me. This is, come on now. So look at this. Goliath is like, I defy the army of Israel, but give me one. And what's so amazing is, is, is it is God's plan to use you. Little you. You. So God also looks for a single person because it's a single person that he uses. Just like the enemy picks you out, God picks you out. So just like the devil says, I'm looking for a man to fight with, God's like, yep, I've anointed a person already for that. I have someone for that. I, I have someone for this, I have someone for that, I have someone for this, right? Because, because you could almost hide under an army perspective and say that's a, that's a very threatening army, but when it's one-on-one, -on -one, right? it then speaks of whether the devil or the Lord wins. It's very clear, right? So look at this. He chants and he's, he's having a go at, at the nation of Israel and he's going on and on and on and he's literally defying them and carrying on and he's calling them out and no one will come to fight with him. No one will come and he keeps saying literally, I defy. And it's interesting, like the word reproached is used, like he's, he's constantly reminding them of their nakedness, their brokenness. It's the ministry of the devil, it's over and over. And we see that language around Jesus at the cross, the reproach that he deals with. Meaning like the devil literally has a hold over your life, has, has your past over your life and he's able to say things about you that bring you back to that place. But it is the ministry of our heavenly David that deals with that. 
our heavenly king. And so look at this in verse, um, let's look at this, verse 26. David spoke to the men who stood by him saying, what will be done for the man who kills this Philistine and takes away the reproach from Israel? Who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? David recognizes he's a Philistine, but he's uncircumcised. Why is that significant? David recognizes he doesn't have covenant with my God. Now, covenant is a very special thing because we we looked at it the other week. Covenant is when literally you you have an unbreakable bond and we are in the new covenant. There was literally covenants in the Old Testament where they would take an animal, split it in two, and two parties would pass between the center of the animal in blood that one party says to the other, by us crossing over and changing places, what is mine is yours and what is yours is mine. And when David speaks of a covenant-keeping God, he's saying that I have an understanding as a nation that through being circumcised, we are the people of the covenant with the Most High God. David doesn't talk about, hey, I can fight, I'm so talented, I'm so strong. He says, no, 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 who is this guy that he comes against the covenant we have with God? Now, the Bible tells us that with Christ, God cut covenant with himself through Jesus being literally torn in two at the cross, shedding his blood. He takes our place, we take his, and we have an unbreakable covenant. Because when covenant is between man and God, man can break it. But when it is between God as man and God as deity, it is unbreakable. So we now stand in a higher covenant, but we need to recognize when the enemy, when the giant comes against you, you don't look at it like, oh, he's coming against me. He's coming, he's, he, he doesn't stand a chance because of the covenant I have with the Most High God. In essence, because of what Christ has done for me, I function from a different place, right? I have heaven on my side, buddy. I come from a different kingdom. Uh, When I give into the kingdom, it is irrelevant if it is a rand, a dollar, or a euro. It It is literally bringing into place a covenant with God that says you promise to provide, irrespective of currencies and presidents, and lockdowns. There's a giant, absolutely, but hey, you can't come against the covenant, boss, right? And so interestingly, he he keeps reminding everyone this. Now look at the response of the people, right? Eliab, his oldest brother, verse 28, says, listen, I'm pretty annoyed with you, David. Why did you come down here? You've left your little sheep in the wilderness, you know? You have pride in your heart that you've come down to see this battle. And David said, what have I done now? Is there not a cause? In other words, there's a, there's, this is the time, this is the purpose. Uh, yes, I've left the sheep, but there's a cause here. There's a reason we're here. We're not here to watch our enemies overrun us. We're at, here for a battle. Right? There's a cause. Come on, is there not a cause? People need to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. Is there not a cause that generations come to literally See, you know, the Bible speaks of the world getting darker, but it speaks in the same breath as the church getting brighter. And we're living in the world getting darker as our language and our focus and our fixation. Why do we not have, we have faith for the world getting darker, but do we have faith for the church getting brighter? Do you see, one is Philistine language. World gets darker, but do you not see (laughs) the, the King David kind of perspective? the victory in Jesus perspective, but the world gets 
brighter, right? Is there not a cause? And it's so interesting. He goes on here and he says, um, then he turned to him towards another and he said the same thing to these people and they answered as the first ones. In other words, the whole crowd is the same perspective. David, shut up. What are you talking about? Now, when the words which David spoke were heard, they reported them to Saul and he sent for him. Uh, when you speak of the finished work of Jesus in your life, it is going to get you into places that's going to prepare you for promotion. So let me just say this. Those who go into 2022 speaking in line with the new covenant, right? Your bosses are gonna hear about it. Your family are gonna hear about it. And it will place you in an awkward position because now they're gonna come around and see and say, okay, you speak that there's an economic blessing in this season over those who believe. Cool, show us. But it is a setup. It kind of looks like, oh, my words got me in trouble because look at what happens, right? He gets brought before Saul. And David says, and so Saul sends for him, and you could imagine him standing in front of Saul to be punished. Your boss says, are you standing here now? You speak of favor. Come, Christian. Favor, business plan. What's the idea here? Your family, your friends. Oh, okay, you say that God has a plan and a purpose in this. God has a greater calling. Well, let's see. And you might think, oh my goodness, I shouldn't have said that. I shouldn't have spoken the word. I shouldn't be living by faith. I shouldn't be having faith for more, faith for something great. But it's God working. Yes. Hear me on this. It's a setup, right? <laughs> so he says, let no, man's heart be, let no man's heart fail because of him. Your servant will go and fight the Philistine. Saul says to David, you're not able to go against the Philistine to fight with him, for you are a youth. And he, a man of war from his youth. In other words, you don't, you don't stand a chance. Remember this. This is not about us being able to do what God's called us to do. This is not about that. And that's what the world picks up on, the reality of the season. The reality. How, how, how could you, pastor, declare over your church to have faith for financial breakthrough and favor in 2022 for, for, for growth and for significance and purpose? And how could you speak these things, right? This is insanity. And this is what I love. You can't fight this guy, and he's in his prime. Now, here's the interesting thing. David's history is he was a shepherd boy. And shepherds had an interesting understanding of what they needed in order to function in life. A shepherd had a rod and a staff. Now, I have something that is not an exact staff, so especially those of you in Israel, don't, don't lecture me about this, okay? But it's the closest thing I could get on short notice, all right? Now, the rod was a short stick that was used to kind of be physical and violent and, and, protect, and protect, but, but the rod is actually supposed to be quite high, and it was made out of wood with a hook, and it is there to literally protect, rein the sheep in. But interestingly enough, around the time of David, it's known that shepherds used to do something else with their staff, right? Their staff was also a part of them being able to do a few different things. Now, shepherds would keep watch over sheep at night because predators come out at night. Don't you know that? In the darkness, by the way, predators come out, okay? And it's interesting that they would sit around and they would find one another because they're out in the wilderness. They'd herd their sheep together often and they would sit around fires and take turns watching over the sheep. But whilst they were sitting there, you gotta stay awake. And how do you stay awake when you don't have Netflix? 
you don't have, whatever the TV is, I'm not advocating for any, you know, silly thing, and, and you know what I'm trying to say. But the point is, like, without entertainment, how do you stay up? Do you know what I mean? So the interesting thing is they used to do something with their staff. A, a shepherd would, would take a staff, and they would treat it like a journal, like a diary, and they would engrave little things in the staff, and, and over time, they would journal and chronicle different stories and events and happenings. And then when they would sit around the fires, they would say, guys, let me tell you something. You know, 20 years ago, I used to support Manchester United. <laughs> and there was this guy called Alex Ferguson. And, and he, he would win. I know many of you don't believe that right now. And you're mock you know what I'm trying to say. And, 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 and the Liverpool guys blotched out 20 years ago from his stuff, but, but you, what I'm joking about is, is they would have this way of telling a story from their staff, and they would speak of things that had happened. They would speak of, of events and memories, and they would share their stories from their staff. And you know, David has one of his most famous passages of scripture in Psalm 23, where it literally says, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. You are with me. That's why I fear no evil. Not because there's no evil. Not because there's no valley and not because there's no enemy trying to destroy me. But you are with me and part of you being with me is your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table for me, before me, in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, my cup runs over, and surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. Right? I'll dwell in his house forever. Right? The house of God, the temple of God, the home of God, the bride, the church. Okay? So look at what's so interesting is he literally ties the presence of God to the recognition of the rod and the staff. Now, the rod is the correction, right? And the staff is also protection. But he says, they comfort me. Now, now, as a shepherd, this staff could speak to the past. And I want to tell you something. Your past still has a benefit for you. Although we know that the Bible says don't hold on to the past, don't look back like that's the only time that anything was ever good in my life. And we definitely are not to look back on our failures and our mistakes in terms of making those magnified, which the devil does so well. But the past does serve a purpose. And interestingly enough, David has a deeper understanding of this. So we jump all the way back into 1 Samuel chapter 17 again. Verse 34, Saul has just told David, you don't stand a chance. What is David's response? Your servant used to keep his father's sheep, and when a lion or a bear came and took a lamb out of that flock, I went after it. Not it attacked me and I was, help me, help me, Lord. I was like, no, uh-uh, you, you're going down. You come after my flock, my stuff. I don't care how dangerous you are. You're gonna die, right? Struck it and killed it. Your servant has killed both the lion and the bear. And this uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them, seeing he has defied the armies of the living God. Moreover, David said, the Lord who delivered me from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear, he will deliver me from the hand of this Philistine. And Saul said to David, go, 
and the Lord be with you. So Saul tries to clothe David in his armor. And what does Saul put on him? The bronze helmet. Clothes him with the coat of mail. David fastens his sword and his armor and he tries it out. He tests it out and he says to Saul, I can't walk in this. I've never ever functioned or fought in this. It doesn't work for me. I'm testing this. So then David took his staff in his hands and he chose for himself five smooth stones from the book, the brook, sorry, and put them in a shepherd's bag. This is what I want to show you. In this exchange, David is not just speaking to Saul from his memory, because we see that the immediately after he's tried on the armor in the presence of Saul, he says, I can't do this. I'm not designed to fight in bronze, by the way. I'm not designed to fight from judgment, in judgment, right? But, but he then says, I'd rather go to the battle with what? with my staff, and then with his staff, he goes and fetches five smooth stones. His staff was there when Saul says, you can't win, David says, hey, you understand the tradition of the time, you know I'm a shepherd boy, check out my staff. See Saul, there was a lion. This over here was when a lion came, and that lion came to steal my flock, and this is where it was, and this is what it looked like, and this was the time of it, and this is what happened, and then actually I decided, no, I'm not letting that sheep die, so I'm gonna go after that sheep, and I'm gonna take that line, and the line did this, and he, and he stood here, and he fought here, and this is what happened, and I overcame him. And now look here, you see here, Saul, you see this, this is actually from a bear. You might have heard this story actually in the past because it became quite famous amongst the shepherds because um, a young guy doesn't necessarily kill these kinds of animals. But this is what happened. And as he starts to speak of his previous victories and how God delivered him from every previous attack, Saul starts to recognize by the spirit, this guy is a giant killer. This guy is a warrior. This guy has potential. What has God brought you through to get here today? I'm tired of hearing. You know what today would do? You know what the world would do today? David would be sitting on a psychological couch and a counselor would be saying, a bear and a lion how could a God let you go through such trauma? How could you be facing such evil things? You must have been terrified. You, you must be so traumatized. And you should be saying to the dude, you're the only guy I know that's killed a lion and a bear. Are you kidding me? There is something special about you. You're still here. You're still alive? You, why are you even scared? You've killed everything that scares us already. Yet, yet we focus on the trauma and the trial. You, you Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, how would someone let you get thrown in a fire? That's how we live. Oh, I'm a victim. I'm a broken victim. Yes, what you've been through is awful, but you're here today and you're able to stand and testify. By the grace of God, because David said, that God who delivered me from them, if I'm positioned to fight him, 
will deliver me again. And he takes his staff to the battle. Now he picks the stones to kill Goliath, but the staff is there for a purpose. The staff is not there to fight Goliath. The staff is there to remind him as he's walking to that battle, as he's walking to that giant. This is, yes, he's big. Yes, he's, oh, he's a little bigger than I thought. Yes, oh, he's got a lot of armor. There's not too much, you know, this is, this is intimidating. This is a bit scary. I've just got five stones. You know what I'm trying to say? Like, okay, the, the natural, the humanity, but this is what David is focusing on. This is what David is speaking of. This is what David is focusing on and saying, this is what I'm bringing to the battle. And I love it because even in typology, what is five the number of? Grace. Five. What's even cooler about it is Goliath had four brothers. Okay, I'll kill you. And then everyone else who wants to come is gonna die here today until you guys run away. I'll take you out completely. The grace of God doesn't just deal with one sin and one giant and your past, it deals with all sin, every giant. It doesn't just deal with one demon, it deals with every demon. It's not, it's not tied to a time frame, it is eternal victory. Everyone is conquered through what Jesus did at the cross. The Bible tells us in Revelation 12, chapter 11, that they overcame the devil, the accuser of the brethren. By the blood of the lamb, the grace of God, the five stones, and the word of their testimony. I show up to every battle with the work of Jesus and the reflection on how that work has brought me through everything I've ever faced. In spite of my weakness, in spite of my failings, this reminds me he was with me then. He will be with me now. You know that in Hebrew, the, the letter Lamet is the 12th letter in the Hebrew language, and it literally means staff. And Lamet speaks of a few different pictures, and one of them is literally to teach, to lead, to guide. Uh, it speaks of God's leading and guiding. It speaks of the kingness of God, that God is not just uh, alive and around. He is the sovereign king. And something else it speaks of is to speak, to teach via speaking. And when we apply this, we need to speak from it. It is literally speaking what our testimony is. Do you wanna summarize what that is? Giving thanks. Thanking God for what he's done. You delivered me from the lion. You delivered me from the bear. I will use my mouth to testify of what God has done in my life, right? And so many times we're focused on the actual weapon to kill Goliath, but we don't recognize this was the one that kept David in the spirit in which God wanted him, giving thanks, giving thanks, giving thanks, using your mouth to speak. In 1 Corinthians chapter 14, Paul speaks of tongues. And he says, I pray you speak in tongues. In fact, I speak in tongues more than you all. In 1 Corinthians chapter 14, 
check this out, verse 15, he starts to unpack that in the church at the moment, people were speaking in tongues all the time and not speaking in English. And he starts to say, speaking in tongues is about you being edified. In a public setting, when, when you speak in tongues all the time across to one another, there needs to be translation or else no one knows what's being said. Yet in the same chapter, he says, but pray in tongues all the time. Because when you pray in tongues, you edify yourself, right? When you pray in tongues, you speak according to a heavenly language, that which you don't understand. <laughs> Why is it that tongues are so powerful? Do you know that literally tongues is tied to victory? And it's fascinating for me because at every single battle, the nation of Israel would blow a special type of horn. There was a special blast that was required before they would go to war, before Joshua literally shouts praise, they blew a horn and the walls of Jericho came down. And it was a special horn that speaks of nine short, sharp blasts. We know that there are nine gifts of the Spirit, right? And we see this tying together. In fact, when the high priest would speak in tongues, which it was chronicled in a lot of rabbinical writings of the early temple, when the high priest was behind the curtain cutting covenant for, for the nation to get favor with God, a covenant, it is documented the priest would speak in a tongue unbeknown to man. And everything behind the veil that brought blessing, when Christ was torn, the veil was torn. And the blessing that sat only in the Holy of Holies now literally sits on us. Look at what Paul writes about tongues in 15. What is the conclusion then? I will pray in the Spirit. I will pray with understanding then as well. I will sing in the Spirit, but I'll also sing with understanding. Otherwise, be blessed with the Spirit, right? How will he who occupies this place uninformed say amen? At your giving of thanks. Verse 17, for indeed you give thanks. Well, Paul calls tongues giving thanks. Why? Because you can't pray, oh, God, help me with this COVID scary stuff. Help me, God, with my business failing. God, help me with my fear. Help me with my this. Help me with praying according to human understanding. But when you pray in tongues, you speak the God who testifies, the God who delivers, the God who carries, the God. You don't even know, because sometimes you can't give thanks. Pastor, when I don't want to give thanks, I don't want to give thanks. I don't feel like giving thanks. Pray in tongues, because you'll be giving thanks supernaturally by the Spirit, because your Spirit is speaking according to a supernatural insight, according to a supernatural truth. Huh. You take your staff of your testimony and your tongues and you bring the gospel of grace and the five stones and the work of Jesus and you bring the spirit and the son to every single battle. Nothing can stand in front of you. This is our time to use our mouth for a heavenly purpose, to set the atmosphere for a heavenly victory and to go into this year ahead, recognizing that every giant that comes, my recognition and my faith and my, my focus is now on that God has brought me this far. And even when I can't speak praise in English, I'll pray in tongues because I'll declare and testify of everything that you've done for me. And every single time everyone comes, I will throw the work of Jesus at it. I will throw this five stones, this grace of God, this covenant at every giant that comes and inspire the nation that is sitting in fear to have faith to believe that the God who was with us in the past, 
is the God that is with us in the present. I believe that this is a setup for the bride of Christ to do more greater, to accomplish more things, to shine brighter than ever before. And God chooses you just like you wake up and the devil chooses you out, signals you out with financial ruin, you out with physical ruin, you out with depression and oppression and, and, and a guilt and a shame and a give up and a distress and, a, and being dismayed. God singles you out and says, I called you, I anointed you, I appointed you, I equipped you. I have given you a purpose and a place greater than you think on this earth. That's the way we're going into this year. That's the spirit we carry. Let the word do the work in your life, amen? Thank you, Jesus, give him praise. Thank you, Lord, we give you thanks. We lift you high. We give you all the honor today, Lord Jesus. You brought us this far. You're gonna take us into this future. You are setting us up. You're providing for us. You're protecting us. We will testify of the goodness and the grace of God. Our lives, our purpose is just the beginning. We are alive for such a time as this. Father, I thank you for every person right now watching every single person joining us. Father, we just magnify you, Lord Jesus. We silence the mouth of the accuser and we recognize that through every trial and every test, we are here today and we will change our focus to the testimony and the glory and the grace of our God. Father, I pray that dreams are being birthed in people right now. Hope is coming alive in people right now. Ideas, passions, Father, calling people back to be used by you. People who are far, people who have left, people who are distressed, people who feel like they've given up today. They hear the voice of heaven declaring their life has been signaled out by heaven. Their life has a purpose. You out there right now, you are alive for a time such as this, for a calling that God has bestowed upon you. We are not giving up, we're not giving in. In fact, we're gonna go deeper into the Word. We're gonna get stronger in faith and we're gonna be more excited and ready for what God has for us in Jesus' name we pray. Amen, amen, amen. Every single person watching right now, every single person in this room and every room across the earth, I wanna give people here who do not know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior the opportunity to move from uncircumcised, outside of the covenant, into the covenant of the living God, the covenant where you are covered and cleansed and made righteous by the blood of Jesus. The Bible says all you have to do is believe that Jesus died on the cross, shed his blood for you and rose again for your eternal righteousness. You believe it and you speak it in the prayer, the confession of faith and you are saved. You are brought into that covenant for eternity, this covenant on victory. Wherever you are, whether you're in this place online, wherever you are right now, this is your time. You're not here by mistake, you're here by divine purpose to confess Christ as Lord and Savior, this is your moment. Pray with me right now and Christ will save you forever. Repeat after me, say, Lord Jesus, thank you for dying on the cross for me by your blood that was shed and your body that was broken. All my sin was paid for in full 
and through your resurrection, my righteousness is secured for eternity. Today I declare, you are my Lord. You are my Savior. Thank you, Jesus, for saving me. Amen, amen, amen. Let's give a huge hand. Every single person that prayed that prayer online, in this room, heaven is cheering. The Bible says that when one repents and confesses Christ is Lord, all of heaven celebrates. Right now online, we're throwing up a whole bunch of links for you to be able to engage with us. Tell us that you got saved. Comment below. I just prayed that prayer for the first time or write into the email addresses below. We wanna send you a blessing. We wanna pray with you. We wanna celebrate you as God does a work in your life in Jesus' name. Amen, amen. And so in closing today, I wanna say thank you, Link Church, for letting me minister the Word into your lives today. I'm gonna hand back to your hosts, but before I do so, I wanna say thank you, Pastor Dylan and Tess, for the honor and privilege of ministering the Word into your church. Link Church, the best days are ahead of you. In Jesus' name, have an incredible week.